Hey everyone, welcome back to New Slang. I am your host, music journalist Thomas Mooney. On this episode, I am joined by Lubbock songwriters Brandon Adams, Daniel Markham, Dave Martinez, and Charlie Stout. So as you know, or probably at least assume, basically every one of these episodes of New Slang, they have been recorded remotely this past year. A lot of phone calls and Zoom meetings. But for this one right here, I drove up to Turkey, Texas. Dave was celebrating his birthday that weekend, and down at the Hotel Turkey, he had done as anyone with a little bit of foresight would have. He booked some of his favorite songwriting buddies to play a show with him. I, of course, banked on that and hit up Dave saying we ought to do a podcast, which I'll go ahead and get this out of the way. This isn't much of an interview. It's basically me setting up four bikes around a table in a quiet room and just hitting record. I don't even really talk on this episode, to be honest. I'm probably talking more in this intro than in the actual interview, which, yeah, I know some of y'all are probably saying, well, hell, that sounds like the perfect episode. I can't really argue with you on that. So yeah, super casual, super conversational. We're not exactly discussing quantum physics or Greek philosophy or breaking down the atom on this one. So yeah, you should probably enjoy it. Nothing much else to add here. So here is Brandon Adams, Daniel Markham, Dave Martinez, and Charlie Stout. I don't know why I'm not being fun. I don't know. You share with me, you share with Charlie. I don't know. You can do the old Western, huh? Hey, Daniel, will you move closer to that mic? Or move that mic closer to you, whichever works. I think that thing's a little. Ah, I see. It's a little wonky. Oh, okay. Or I can just. <laughs> or y'all can hold the mics. Whatever. You get me close. No, 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 no. Just give it. Well, Thomas. New slang is sponsored by Check Desert Door Soto. Think of a Soto as a finer alternative to a tequila. Someone's been listening to the podcast. <laughs> uh, okay, so to start this out. B.A., I need you to tell that story that we, you were telling outside earlier. Which These guys haven't heard that story. Which one? About the, uh, the tide. Oh, I, I can start out telling that story? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good icebreaker. Mm, okay. <laughs> um, all right. So I just start talking? Yeah, I've already started recording and everything. So it's Okay, weird. so a long time ago... Okay, Markham might know, and I think it was before Charlie or Dave were around, but do y'all remember plays out by Justice Burke called Jesse James? Oh, yeah, I love Jesse James. Okay, they were sweet people, really, really great folks. And I remember they did a festival out there one day, and um, I can't remember who I was playing, a lot of local great folks, you know, and there was this old man that had been drinking there all day, and he, he got there, he rode up on his horse, and then he tied his horse to a tree and put some feet out for it and everything. And then it come about dark, and he went outside, and he said, oh, i got to go home. i got to go home. He goes out to his saddlebag and pulls out a bottle of Tide, like detergent, <laughs> and just starts soaping up his horse, you know, like <laughs> <laughs> getting it all, you know, getting a lather up on him. And we're like, well, what are you doing? He said, well, I told my wife I was out working all day, and if I come home with this dry horse, she's going to kick my ass. <laughs> <laughs> So, like, it went on, and he's out there farting around. That horse was, he was real drunk, and somebody called his wife to come get him. And she pulls around the corner there off 87 in, like, a $100,000 white Cadillac. Are we interrupting you? No, I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> text message, man. That's cool, man. It's, it's your birthday. It's your birthday. <laughs> I didn't mean to do this. Dave's over here watching YouTube videos. <laughs> Creed. So, anyway, long story short, we, uh, like, a. Um, that she comes around the corner driving this hundred thousand dollar white Cadillac, and they tied that horse off on the bumper, and he got in, and she drove like five miles an hour <laughs> back to the ranch house with that horse and that old drunk guy. Oh my god, that's uh, hilarious! This <laughs> shit you see, Carly, you want manual focus? <laughs> okay. I think I've heard that story before. 
Oh, well, a lot of the, the music guys were there. Tugboat was there. Shad was there. I think I was there. I, I had to have been, there. have been there. Yeah. yeah. I had but to have been there. It was a great day. It was when Tugboat, like, fell asleep in the back of his truck and his shirt, like, got <laughs> halfway up his stomach. So, like, the bottom half of his stomach was sunburned. Oh, like, the yeah. Like, under, the under part, you know? Class, never yeah. The, the never see sun part. And I just remember him having a really bad day. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Poor guy. Yeah. Yeah, you were, you were telling me that story earlier, so I just I felt like that needed to be, the, like I said, the, like the icebreaker on this to kick things off. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. D- Dave, it's your birthday. Um, yeah. We're up here in Turkey, Texas, and yeah, old school, love it kind of guys, middle of a pandemic. Yeah, I don't know. I didn't really prep for this. It really feels like the ice hasn't been broken yet, Mooney. Oh. <laughs> I think we need another story. Yeah. Another story. Yeah. Who's it? Who's it? Dave, you, Dave's I, oh, full of stories. I don't know. Let me think. I'm not prepared. I wasn't prepared well, to how tell about the story. You just start off with like your morning with Dub. <laughs> yeah, that was yesterday morning. Oh, yesterday morning with Dub. Uh, so Thursday I played a show and uh, stayed out way too late. Went to Robin's Nest with Dub and left my debit card up, up there, right? And so I get back, and about 10.30, I call up Dub, and I was like, hey, dude, um, first of all, will you make sure my keys are in my Jeep? Because they were. And I was like, let's go up to Robin's Nest. I'm going to find my debit card. So we go up there, and Dub's like, I'm not getting out. I'm not getting out the car. Just go in there and figure it out. I was like, we'll just go for one. Just for one. He's like, all right, just one. I was like, no problem. So I go in there, and I was like, hey, do you have my debit card? I left it here last night. And they go through some stuff, and she's like, no, I don't. I was like, it's okay. I have another one. And so just open the tab up on that. Let me get two makers and two Coors Lights. And Dub said, please, no. <laughs> and then next thing you know, it's 2.30 in the afternoon, and I'm drinking with this old lady named Blanche uh, who came in an Uber and had the guy escort her in because she's in a walker. But, uh, yeah, it was a, that was 11.30 in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude. Some people just really know what they want. You know? Yeah, dude. There was a bunch of professionals in there that day in Dub. <laughs> Dub didn't make it very far into the day. The you people you meet in the bar are very different at 10.30 in the morning than the ones you meet at 10.30 Those are the night. people that want to be at the bar, and those are my people. I don't know if they want to be there. They <laughs> need to be there. Yeah. yeah. It's like nurses are at the bar then, like people that work on at night and stuff. Yeah, well, they, they're like regulars that come in at that same time because two guys come in and take, like, pound a few shots. and like, all right, we got to go back to work. Like, whoa, what are y'all doing? Like, recess is almost over. They got to go back to school, start teaching the kids. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe open heart surgeries don't do this. Yeah, things. they don't. I mean, Ugh. who wants to have surgery by a doctor that's sober? That doesn't make any sense. Yeah. yeah where's, the the, where's the risk in that? <laughs> yeah, it's my birthday. So Happy birthday, birthday, Dave. Happy birthday, Dave. <laughs> Happy birthday, Dave. If anybody's wondering about Dubwood, he is still alive. Nobody was wondering about Nobody. Well, his mom <laughs> might listen to the podcast. She follows me on Twitter. On the Twitter, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just looking over here at Charlie. Charlie's arm cross and just everything kinda... I've ever wanted to tell you about your podcast, I get to say it right now. <laughs> well, let's go. Let's. <laughs> you know, so I you... see you've got some new gear. Yeah, you did not have that pro podcasting rig last time I crashed a podcast. No, yeah, it was on the way. So this is your first time to be invited on it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Moved, moved to Lubbock in 2007. 2005, 2000. I can't remember what year it was. Almost 15 years in Lubbock. How long have you been doing the podcast now? You're up to 150 some. Yeah, 150 something now. Um, I don't know, like the last like four years now, four or five years, something like that. Yeah. I listened to the one with Mason Server. Oh, Just Mason. recently, the most recent episode that you did prior to recording this one. That is not a guy you would walk up to on the on the street or in a bar and think, "Here's a guy with two college degrees." Speaking of, these are uh, these are Mason's uh, microphones here. So thank did you, he Mason. Leave yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mason. So we're, Mason. Playing, we're playing through your Samson drum mics tonight. Yeah, we did. Uh, <laughs> Samson, uh, Samson, Mason, and I got annihilated at Cook's Garage together on Thursday evening before Robin's Nest. Yeah, before. He's one of those guys where his education doesn't betray him. He still comes off as the real deal. Yeah, as we talked about, like, in that podcast, and I was talking earlier about with, with Okay, Granny. now I think the ice is broken. Oh, okay. <laughs> Thanks, Carly. 
Well, B.A. was asking about him earlier, and, um, you know, one of the things I said was that he said on the podcast was if I had tried doing this at 20, I would have wanted it too much. It would have been something I needed too much to try and have any kind of success, and I would have squandered it. And right now, like, I don't need anything like this. It's, uh, you know, passing the nerds around. Hey, man, it's a shaker. <laughs> that is right there. That's a last rattlesnake. Go right make there. a record. <laughs> <laughs> Go make a record today. <laughs> this nerd box. How, how we could do that. We I, could do that here. I think. I think everybody's. Everybody here has been in the studio before, and it, it always like the last thing. Like we got to have that shaker. It is like <laughs> somebody get in here with that shaker. There's a lot of different shakers too, though, and like that might fly on something. Got to write the tune to match the box, I guess. You know, this is these are strawberry and grape nerds. Yeah. I wonder if the flavor has anything to do with the melody. <laughs> <laughs> it's very different texture. I love the grape. I love the grape on like a mellow track, you right. know. Yeah. But like the strawberry, it's like a fast kind of like, you know, frantic kind of pace song. Maybe you get the strawberry. It's a little more. I think we ought to like just go buy like a bunch of <laughs> like the nerds rope. Yeah. Just Def- use those yeah. like beat on a drum and have like a, a very nerd. Uh, percussion. Why do that when you could play a cajon? Yeah, get the. Because yeah. <laughs> you can't buy a cajon at all. So they just drove by in the G wagon. They're probably here to see us. Cajons are actually full of nerds. Like that, that sound. It it yeah, it's nerds. <laughs> it's like super packed, like nerds, in like, uh, really tight like wax paper. So it's like a it's like a snare drum. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm hip to it. I mean, let's let's put this together, Daniel, and maybe we'll run with it. I don't know if Dave and Charlie are interested, but y- yeah, yeah. Charlie's like anti cajon. Yeah, no matter. Charlie what. hates the cajon. Oh, so have you had Brian Finley on the podcast yet? <laughs> okay, you need to get Brian Finley on the podcast and ask him about the time I caught him jamming next to my trailer with somebody slapping a cajon <laughs> at twelve thirty at night. I thought he, I thought you said you caught him like he was like <laughs> doing something yeah. like terrible. Yeah, yeah. He was doing something terrible. There was a damn cajon in the did band. He, did it? What did his face look like when he saw you? <laughs> I waited till they were finished playing whatever song they were doing, and the cajon did that last final. That little final cajon roll. And then I said, Brian, you are too talented to be playing these songs with somebody over here slapping on a box. I don't want to hear this thing for yeah. the rest so of the night. Charlie's like an Good old night. man. You're, you're, I can't believe there's a cajon next to my trailer. You asshole. <laughs> and then I marched off, and they, I could hear one of them say, was he serious? <laughs> <laughs> and I responded by turning the lights off on the trailer. Yeah. You are an old man. Yeah, you kids get off my lawn. I don't care if it's Bob Wills and everybody's here to have a good time. I am not if it involves a cajon. <laughs> I agree. They shouldn't be a cajon at Bob Wills anyway. That's what I was kind of thinking. Okay, but I didn't see that. And in my defense, I was blackout drunk that whole weekend. So I'm glad you took Someone up the slack on that. Someone has to take a stand, I guess, I guess it's you. Yeah. I'm glad you found your calling. Now, I really need you to have Brian on the podcast now and get his side of the story because I'm sure it was less funny to him than it is to Dude, me. Dude, so let me, I don't know if y'all know this story, but I think Charlie was there. But Brian and Jerry Slater invite this guy that they know from Lubbock, and he shows up, and he's, like, hammered. Like, like can't stand up. He's, like, his toes are gripping the earth. Like, he's just moving back and forth and slowly going, right? I was like, who's invited this guy? And they're like, oh, we don't know him. We just work with him. Well, did you tell him you were here? Yeah. Well, so you invited him. And then he goes to Pat's barn, and he's just drunk, right? So they try to kick him out. And Levi Fowler pushes him, and the guy shits himself. (laughs) (laughs) This is a Thursday night in Turkey, Texas. And uh, we put him in the back of his car, and somebody throws him some shorts, and then we never saw him again. (laughs) Dang. Levi Fowler makes me feel the same way. (laughs) (laughs) So Charlie's been drinking, I guess. No. No. I'm glad y'all are all here, so... I, it's my birthday, and I wanted to have a party, and I knew Carly wouldn't get it right, so I just figured I'd throw my own and uh, make a poster, make a show, eat a We bunch thought of about booking Slade Cleaves for this because we know how much you like him, and then we yeah. decided we wanted the gig. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> times are tough. and it's, Times are tough. we got to look out for I mean, me it's not mine. because Slade wasn't interested. We just went a different I bet direction. he totally would have done it. I bet Charlie could have got him to do it. I really don't know Slade. <laughs> I don't either. You know how I met Slade Cleaves? <laughs> I was in Manchek, Texas at... Uh, Doug Moreland's place uh-huh. one night and Slade just happened to be there and they were recording a podcast or something and he played The Grinch hmm. 
And I don't think I've ever seen a room get so silent before. It was, it was almost sacred. It's like I believed he was going to do the things he said he was going to do in that song. It was, it was you, ever, you ever meet a person that you just know that they would probably kill you if you crossed them? Yeah. yeah. That's how Slade, <laughs> that is how yeah, yeah, Slade sure. made me feel when he played the Grinch. I think Clay Walker said uh, in the Neon Eon that uh, emotion isn't in your vocal range. It's in the tone of your voice, which is why you can, if you're not a great singer, you can still deliver emotion. I was terrified. The tone of Slade's voice during the Grinch. He really ripped your head off, did he? It was believable. <laughs> so that's just pretty cool. That's a cool. That's that's a good story. It's not as good as watching you take pictures of Daniel on a couch, which I'm going to leave um, like just no context there. That was weird. The the thing though that that gives a lot of credence to Charlie's story though is that Doug Moreland chainsaw, and you're not scared of him. Yeah. Well, it's the tone of his voice. He's happy when he's when he's carving. Owls and bears and things out of chain out of wood with yeah, a that's chainsaw. A, that's a respect. He's got a smile on his face. Yeah. So do, so do serial killers when they're killing people. Well, we don't know that. Yes, they we only do. see what we've seen in the movies. They might hate that line of work. <laughs> yeah, just, I don't want to do this. Yeah, it's like being at the bar at ten thirty in the morning. <laughs> oh man, I got to cut up another one. Yeah. Why do I do the things I, keep I do? Doing this. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. At some point, you're going to have to hit record, Mooney. I already hit record. <laughs> At some point, we're going to have to get better at telling stories. Yeah. It's probably the host's Markham, problem. Markham, yeah. tell just, us about Halloween. What about Halloween? We, The three of us, I wish you'd have been there, Brandon. Oh, he, uh, he, he, I, was invi- I invited him. I, I got invited to the Halloween thing, but uh, like my immediate reply was no. <laughs> <laughs> that was how that went down. Well, let us tell you what you missed. Markham wore a dress. Yeah, so... Uh, it, it's, <laughs> it's, it was Halloween, and for the se- second year in a row, I, I, I bought a black dress and a witch hat, and my hair is long now, so I was like, I'm going to be a witch. It's so easy. I'll just put on some black make, uh, lipstick, wear my boots, and, you know, done. And <clears throat> I didn't really tell. I was hanging out with Carly and Dave and Charlie in Fort Worth, getting ready to go to Magnolia Motor Lounge. And I didn't really tell. I said, I'm going to put my costume on. And I just <laughs> I went into their bathroom, <clears throat> and I, I put on my, you know, my witch outfit. His dress. All <laughs> I remember about that was I watched Carly go back to the bathroom to get ready for the, for the evening. And then I hear footsteps, and I turn expecting Carly to come out in a black dress, and it is extremely not Carly. <laughs> okay. Black dress. Well, now, now I understand your reaction. It was very <laughs> much Daniel Markham with a little bit of a stubble and no way. Black I, sh- I, sh- I shaved my. I shaved. I don't remember that. I shaved yeah, uh, right. Balcony. I shaved. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I shaved on the balcony with your iPhone as a mirror. Yeah. <laughs> it was a long day. It was a long day and a short gig, as I recall. Yeah. I got Charlie into Pantera on the way to the show. Yeah, he taught me about Pantera. <laughs> I'd never heard All of Pantera. All I had to do was play a song that had the words Fort Worth in it, and he was like, oh, hell yeah. Which, which song did you play? Hellbound. Yep. It's, it, uh, it, it says Fort Worth in there, so he was like, oh, hell yeah. Which is another <laughs> hell yeah. You'll get into them later. Daniel, <laughs> Daniel's a walking encyclopedia. He is, Daniel Markham is the opposite of the Your Favorite Band Sucks podcast. Because every band that they've done an episode on, Daniel loves that band. And I'm like, Daniel, you need to listen to what they said about your favorite I band. I can't listen to that podcast because it just makes me want to like, you that know. That podcast is so great, though. It just. It sounds like a podcast you'd like. Also, how did you not know about Pantera? I thought all white people were born knowing about They've Pantera. sold millions of Raised records. Raised Baptist, buddy. <laughs> you got to learn that kind of rage in high school. Oh, yeah. That makes sense. It's true. <laughs> yeah, we had Ray Bolts and Steve Green when I was in high school. <laughs> it is a wonder I'm here with y'all right now. <laughs> I saw Ray Bolts one time. Uh, I think it was at uh, McMurray in Abilene. I saw Petra a bunch of times. Yeah, I never saw Petra. That's awesome. I saw Newsboys a bunch of times. Yeah. I never saw DC Talk. Ooh. <laughs> I saw them separately at Cornerstone Festival. They all had solo albums, and they all came out and did separate sets on the main stage. But they didn't play together. I was like, oh, come on. I think, I think there was something to... 
there's so many parallels between the contemporary Christian music scene and the <laughs> Texas country music scene. It's I mean, all very much the same, just without the beer. Yeah. No, beer. Yeah, those dudes party. <laughs> I'm sure they do, but I never saw any of it. Well, you weren't invited. We, uh, yeah, I've never been on Petra's bus. I can't imagine what happened. <laughs> do you know? Come on, uh, come on the bus. We're, we're fixing to study the book of Luke. Are you guys familiar with the glass cactus in, uh, is that in Grapevine? Some, somewhere in the mid-cities. It's one of the, it's like a big oh, yeah, you're right. fancy right. venue. Anyway, like on the lake or something. Anyway, uh, Charlie Shafter, we opened for a certain person. I won't name them. Oh, come on. They man. were in. That's what makes these stories so good. No. He, he was a singer for this really great, uh, like, a, like a popular Christian alternative band in the late 90s. Okay. A- yeah. Anyway, uh, and so we're just, <laughs> we're hanging out with this guy. And I was like, oh, yeah, I totally know who this guy is because I've seen the band. And it's cool to talk to him. And I was like, oh, I thought he had made a record with someone who I had made a record with. And I said, have you ever worked with so-and-so? And he's like, and he's like, who's that? I was like, oh, you know, he has this studio in Austin. He's like, oh, yeah, he's a, he's a musician down in Austin? I was like, yeah. He's like, oh, man, I, yeah, I think I know who you're talking about. <laughs> but it was just like, dude, man, for real? You just saw behind the curtain <laughs> of Christian music. But he had like, uh, he had a couple of whiskeys in there. Like, they were ready to go. They were, they were ready to party. Man, I've always said sincerity is the key to life. <laughs> and if you can fake that, you've got it made. So, I mean, maybe that's, I, mean, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't even care if the, any of those people did that, like to get loose or something before their show. I mean, just feeling the whole thing. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, a lot of the Christians. That's a great time to talk about Desert Door. So, would, yeah. you, uh, would you be surprised if I told you I drank a color earlier just to loosen up? No. Because I was. No, I'm just talking. To- <laughs> I wouldn't be judgy about Christian uh, rock bands getting drunk. At their shows, like I wouldn't care. It's like, well, they are a rock band, you know. Person in the world. Well, you know what though? Like, if if you have a tour scheduled and your one guy's having a baby and you got to hire a heathen, right? To whatever that guy needs to get through the night, right? So you want a bass player or do you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. No, I get it. It's cool. I'm glad we dipped our toes in the those waters. Did you ever play a church gig? Did you ever play another Sunday? Uh, I did. Yeah. I've I done a, bass and guitar. I've done a bunch of those because they pay really and well. <laughs> it's like, yeah. dude. Mine never paid. I had to do it out of the kindness of my well, heart. Well, I've done a bunch of free ones. <laughs> and I grew up in a church. And I grew up, you know. I used to play uh, guitar, and I was terrible. This is my first electric guitar. It was a, one of those red Fender Strats that everybody buys as their first Strat. Had Texas Special pickups in it. I couldn't play it. And mm. so the worship leader would give me parts to play, mm. and we'd set a delay that matched the tempo of the song, and then he'd give me, like, two notes to play. And I'd play these two notes during the verse, and I'd get another two notes during the chorus or whatever. And he kind of taught me how to do, like, those little layered production elements. You're not the lead guy. You're not the rhythm guy. You're just the guy that we have up here because it's an 18-channel board, and we were only using 16, right? Right. So I learned how to play those real little tasteful, just little notes here and there of just little splashes of production elements is all they were. Uh-huh. Well, this guy, this was, this was before I even lived in Arizona, so this was like in 2002 or something. Years later, I'd be visiting this guy in California, and he, had, he was the worship pastor at a church up in, I think it was Sacramento. It was somewhere near Lake Tahoe, I think, because that's where yeah. we were. Well, there was a prison riot at Folsom Prison, or there was a lockdown. <laughs> it might not have been a riot. Uh, the story gets better every time I tell it. The prison caught on fire. No, they, there was a <coughs> lockdown, and his guitarist was a guard. Uh. And so I had to sub for that guy on Sunday oh, cool. with my old worship pastor and play this guy's guitar and his Line 6 rig and the whole bit. It was fully, completely a church gig. There were no amps on the stage. At the prison? No, no. The, the guitarist that really had the gig uh-huh. was at the prison. Oh, he was I in prison. I had to play at the oh. church because the guy had to stay at the prison during I thought you the, got to play in San Quentin. Oh, no. No. No, no you, you, you came to the wrong podcast if you wanted a story that cool. So, so one time I played at a, at a cockfight. Have you ever, you know what a, have you ever been yeah. to a cockfight? Yeah, like some friends of mine had hired me to play play it when right after I got started going and I was like sure man I'll play and we we got there and we didn't know where it was until 
like that afternoon, <laughs> and we showed up with all these. They didn't need. Yeah, yeah. They put, you know, so they they were there's probably about eighty to hundred people there, and everything that's going on. <laughs> we um we had a hell of a time, but I mean, it's I was on this prison fight. story, and I was like, man, yeah, that's probably the, the weirdest thing I've ever done. I mean, gig wise, what's the weirdest gig job done? Dude, I, I just described it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's one in New Orleans that our band had. The whole background was just listening to modern worship music, you know, and just being like, I could have written a better song than this. I wonder if God ever gets tired of hearing this over and over. God hates you two. With a, you know, His least favorite band. <laughs> God hates you two. You got to hear this podcast. It's <laughs> called Your Favorite Band Sucks. One of the first episodes was you two. Mm. They talk about how God actually hates you two. It's implied in every episode <laughs> of the podcast, I believe. That's how they started off. I can't, lot, I can't listen to that. There's a lot of what's not written that's actually being said, Daniel. The reason Charlie loves this podcast, and we've talked about this, and it's because of the where your I guess your theory on it is is that we all have like nostalgic ties to all these bands. Mm. And yeah, that, you like were you, thirteen. We, yeah. You and I talked about this before Tyler even started that yeah. podcast. Uh, we went down to the Big Ben one time, and I asked him to show me the song that the New Slang podcast came from. And he started playing me this this band, and I was like, "This band, this stuff sucks." <laughs> And I was hurting these feelings. I have this way of hurting Mooney's feelings, out, out of, usually about his podcast. But I was like, this music sucks. Tell me something. Why do you like this band? Were you like 13 when you discovered this band and you were emotionally vulnerable and the music just moved you in such a way that it became a part of your life, so much a part of your life that you named your entire flagship podcast over the word new slang? Oh, you're talking about the chins. I didn't want to say it out loud, just like he didn't want to say it. <laughs> it's not like he so was like, um, I don't think they're going to stumble across this and be like, I can't fucking believe Charlie yeah. Stout used our name on the, this the podcast. Thing, the thing about more about the song, the new, about new slang, was not necessarily because like the emotional ties or anything like that, but because I thought it was just like a, a maybe a clever magazine title as far as like talking about what's current. So the and, early days but, of what you were doing, when you were just kind of covering Lubbock music or the music that came through Blue Light, New slang was kind of like, what's the new slang? What's, yeah. what's, la- what's the latest thing all the kids are saying about, about music in Lubbock? And then you kind of branched out from just like Lubbock to everywhere. Stuff. yeah. Because there wasn't, so there was like KTXT and there was like a scene. But once that was gone, there was like, there was like a void for like that kind of coverage, I think, you know, of like just. In, when I came to know? town, there were two issues in Lubbock when I arrived in town in 2007. One was. It was right. a dry town, and they were going <laughs> to they were going to make Lubbock wet, uh-huh. and so you could get beer anywhere except for the Strip, which R.I.P. the Strip. And the second was bumper stickers everywhere that said "Save KTXT." Yeah, but like there was not. I think um, my friend Ben did like a thing called Culture Greyhound for a while, and it kind of like had a few names, uh, but there wasn't like what you were doing. You know, I mean, you kind of like stepped in and took over like this cool thing that was missing but i always thought like the the what a really great story would have been it's probably a little bit too late now but like the sacking of the radio station because like from what i've heard you know people just after like it was shut down you know the people were taking like old vent not vintage stuff but like stuff that had been there forever uh-huh. that you kind of just like you know that all that stuff gets built up over time as far as like just like the like the plugins for of like liners and stuff or like old sessions like i heard about like an old 97 session that's kind of like a lost thing or stuff like that i thought like that would be kind of an interesting story about yeah kind of like the sacking of rome in a way yeah i was friends with all those people that were there i used to love all those guys yeah i mean they were that was just the people that we hung out with everywhere yeah yeah drinking buddies too like did you ever do the they would come one of the first Gigs I did in Lubbock was that Power Hour over at Bash Rip Rocks. Oh man, uh, you remember that gig? Yeah, it was like I remember like <laughs> seventy five bucks for like a couple hours and free uh-huh. drinks, and you're like, oh yeah, I'll do it. It was like three to five or something on Friday afternoon, and but I remember like Glob Jobin. Remember Glob Jobin? Yeah, he would he would come down there and do a live remote every time I was playing, and he just <laughs> super drunk. <laughs> 
And ha- they'd all have that front table and play trivia and listen to me play every Friday. I did that. I had so much fun. But that got me, that kind of, that's where I met all those dudes. And then, uh-huh. of course, you know, you and Lewitt and everybody and got introduced me to Alan Brown and Pat and those guys. All radio people. All radio. Dudes. And now, <laughs> and now, you know, look at like a guy like Alan. You know, he's still in the business and doing all kinds of cool stuff. He's got a really good face for radio. <laughs> yeah. But man, I mean, I, what I miss about it is they were playing really, really cool music. That's how I learned. Uh, that's how I got into Rodney Parker and stuff. It's like they were playing. <laughs> really, I mean, they were playing the one that came out with that red, the red color album. Lonesome Dirge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it came out with that. That was the first place I'd heard it was on KTXT. Yeah. And, um, yeah, that Burn the Wagon, remember that? Dude, Burn yeah. the Wagon was killer. Is that Andy, Andy Martinez? Andy Martinez, yeah. Jake Unruh. Uh, yeah, Jake Unruh, yeah. This, their song, Born in Blood, I was going to put that on the West Te- Texas Vampires <sighs> movie. That, Dude, that, that song made. is great. J- they're, yeah. I saw a poster. It's like a Burn the Wagon and 50 Peso and, and I think maybe Thrift Store. Or it's probably like a Dirk Fowler. Uh, probably so. Yeah. Yeah, it is a dirt feller. And it, I've got one that's got Waiting to Derail on it, too. That's that's cool. Yeah, it's from Jake's or something. So I met you in 2007, Markham. How old were you then? You were 30-something then, weren't you? 27. I always thought you were, like, underage. Like, like literally until... <laughs> until like you still until think I'm underage. Last fall, when we worked on that record here, I thought you were, like, Maybe early 30s. I always thought you were like a kid. I know. That's, that's what, what blew my mind. That explains so much <laughs> to me why you talk to me the way you do. Like, I was just like, Charlie Stout treats me like a little kid I, <laughs> all the time. I was like, why does he do it? I didn't <laughs> he know, thinks I'm a little kid. I didn't know that you were closer to my age. And that, that kind of made it even more funny to me that because he's like a savant when it comes to bands and, and especially popular bands, pop culture, the whole bit. Like, oh, my. He's always saying, I can't believe you haven't heard of this. <laughs> the same way someone says, oh, I haven't. I can't believe you haven't seen Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Rouse Records. Dude, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. Every magazine ever. MTV. Man. I just wasn't good at sports, so this is why I know about music. Some of my favorite stories are when Daniel tells me stories about Records. Oh my God! I want to write a book about it. So I heard I heard a story that I think that Fluid told me about working there, and it was like y'all had a, a pooper. Oh that my God! Like a, we call them. Can I curse on this? Yeah. Uh, we call them the cereal shitter. <laughs> <laughs> so there was this guy. He came in one day, and he came over to me and was like, "Do you have any Eddie Cochran CDs?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then. I took him over to the oldies section and I showed him where the Eddie Cochran was. And he was like, sweet. And then uh, I noticed that it smelled like shit, <laughs> like all of a sudden. And uh, I was like, man. <laughs> I think I said, man. <laughs> where he could hear it? Yes. <laughs> and then he turns around. He you're so now. he turns around. Yeah, he turns around. <laughs> He's walking away. And I see him put his hand kind of like, you know, in there, like a. In his butt, like I'm like, oh dude, oh he's he did it, he he pooped himself, so like he walks over to the back of the store, he goes all the way to the back of the store, and every like <laughs> my friend Aaron Dunson is working, and uh, my friend Doug Staff is working. Doug Staff is like the main like the manager, he owns the place now, sort of I guess whatever, and uh, he, so Aaron's walking by, and. Ugh, he smells it, and then people are starting to smell it, right? And it's bad, and it's like, it's like kind of like silent chaos in Ralph's records, right? So Doug writes a note that says, "We know you pooped your pants. Please leave the store now." <laughs> he gives it to Aaron Dunson <laughs> to give no, to the guy, and Dunson's like, like, "What the fuck, man?" <laughs> like, <laughs> so he, he goes over there, and he's just like, oh, you know, uh, sir, uh, that's for you. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to leave that there. And he walks away and like, leaves the note, and the guy, like, he picks up the note, and he reads it, and he, just, he puts the note back down, and he just walks straight out of the store. Dude comes back, like, <laughs> like seven months later. Seven months later. And he's just like, you know. Shits himself again. <laughs> like, same thing happens. And, and, like, 
Apparently, I guess he's been in a, a couple, several. Daniel worked there for longer than I did, so you know he'd be able to tell you. But yeah, serial shitter. That guy is real. There's a lot of people that are characters at Ralph's, and I really would like to write a book about them. <laughs> I have the same oh. experience at Doc's. Yeah, some I'm of sure. them involve Ralph's employees. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, like coming into Doc's when they're <laughs> after work. So. Oh my gosh. Yeah, yeah, no, it's pretty crazy, pretty crazy town. Yeah, the the note thing is like usually when you slip a note, fifty thousand dollars in unmarked bills. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Not, or play wagon wheel. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can you, do you know friends in low places? Just silently, just gonna leave this here on the edge of the stage. It's cool if you don't. It's cool if you can't play it, but it'd be a lot cooler if you did. <laughs> I'm gonna leave a note. On, and Jerry on Serrano side. tried to fight somebody one Monday night. Oh, yeah. Over Were you there? Yeah. So, so I happened to be up on stage doing the songwriter night oh, on Monday night. Yeah. And some dude who everybody knows, he's a regular. But, you know, so you, if you're paying the bills and keeping the lights on, you get to do whatever you want because you kind of have a stake in the bar at this point. So a regular comes up to me and he's like, hey, man, you play Friends in Low Places? Like, oh, man, I can't. It's songwriter night. We can't do covers. You know, I'd, I'd love to play that song for you, but uh, – Maybe tomorrow. If I'm here, I'll play it for you tomorrow. <laughs> Boy, he wasn't having any of that. No, sir. He got, he got belligerent with me, tried to get up on the stage, and Jerry got in his face. I've never seen Jerry Serrano. I've never seen an unkind word or a mean word. I've never seen his temper. And he squared off with this guy. Big old, big old cowboy-looking dude. Like, if he wasn't a real cowboy, he could probably still throw a punch, right? Jerry didn't. Jerry was fearless. Brought the Mexican and Jerry out just like that <laughs> and just bowed up to this guy and said, it is Monday night. We don't play covers in this bar on Monday night. And if you don't like it, you can get the fuck out. And by that time, Lance had showed up to back. He's like, Jerry, no. Yeah, Lance, Lance is literally like, I don't want to back this play, man. You, you de-escalate, dude, de-escalate. And Jerry was just, he was ready to pop off right then and there. Mm. It was a prison riot between two people <laughs> in the blue lights. <laughs> That's awesome. Lance talks, lock, Lance talks them both down, buys Jerry a couple shots. Jerry's like, Jerry's literally at the bar just doing this. He's just Golly. Like, he's like shook up. He's ready, man. Adrenaline's pumping. I'm like, dude, you got to you gotta breathe or something, man. You, gotta, you, need, you need some water? Do you need a shot? What do you need, buddy? Just calm down. It, it was just a request. <laughs> <laughs> so speaking of blue light, there was a few years back, it was my birthday, but BA was opening up for Willisown Ramsey next door. And I was real bummed because I had to miss it. But we met up with him afterwards. And this is, like, the first time Carly's spent, like, my birthday with me. So we're there at Blue Light, and I'm just getting hammered, of course, right? And uh, after a while, this guy breaks his beer bottle and, like, starts just scooting it underneath a chair or something. And I was like, what a jerk. So I get the broom and sweep it all up, throw it away, and put it up and come back with the broom and just hit the shit out of this guy with the broom, right? <laughs> like, in the chest. Like, oh pow. And he looks at me, and he's like, and he walks over to Six, and he's like, hey, man, this dude just hit me with the broom. He's okay. <laughs> and he's like, "Yep, I believe he he's got to go. No, you got to go. <laughs> and Carly's like, you hit him with the broom, and he's getting kicked out? And I was like, yeah. It's crazy, huh? <laughs> crazy. I think we had to leave shortly after that because I started to drink way too much. Hey, tell them about that time that you guys kicked out of that Applebee's and the Hobbs. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that was a joint effort on that thing. So, for whatever reason, Brandon and I decided to play a two-night stand at a sushi gig in Hobbs, New Mexico. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst gig we've ever done together. Oh, man. So, the first night we're there, it's kind of fine. Um, and then we drink too much, and we go to Jim Dixon's house and stay there. And then the next day, there's nothing to do in Hobbs, so we smoked cigarettes at Allsup's and counted stray dogs all morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so we go back to the sushi place to play our, uh, you know, our, our coveted second night, and they've changed the tab because <laughs> of what we've done the night before. <laughs> and so we're like, man, this place sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> they didn't think we could get through a $400 tab. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so... <laughs> so our tab is run out and there's this old guy sitting next to us he's like i'll buy all drinks cross street club red and like what is club red it's applebee's 
after 9 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> Club Red. Club Red. See you at Club Red, baby. So we go over there, and this old guy's just buying us all our drinks. And I don't know if this is just Hobbs, New Mexico, or this is Applebee's universally, but they wouldn't serve us shots unless we had X amount of beer. Like, we had to have, we had to have drink so much because you couldn't have two drinks at once. So that was a mistake. New Mexico, man. And so we're hammering these things down, and eventually we have to pay for our own drinks because the old guy has found, like, a young Asian girl to talk to now. He's no longer interested in us. <laughs> and um, so we're just sitting there drinking, and the lady's like, all right, guys, time to go. And we're like, man, closing time already. That's wild. She's like, no, you two just got to go. <laughs> like, get kicked out of Applebee's. <laughs> and so we walk out. I'm like, well, what are we going to do? There's got to be something to do. There's a Buffalo Wild Wings across the street. <laughs> so we walk over there. <laughs> and the place smells like bleach because there's nobody in there. That lady's been cleaning. You know, she's ready to go home. And I walk up there, and I was like, uh, can I get a eight Jaeger bombs? And she's like, for what? Me and my buddy. And she says, no, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, man, they hated us. Yeah, they hated us. They hated us. Everybody kept telling us to go to this place called Wrinkles. It's a bar inside the <laughs> hotel. That they're like, they'll love you at Wrinkles, and it's where all the old people go. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Wrinkles. Yeah. We make, we make friends. <laughs> oh, my God. Every time that comes up, I'll re- I reshare that story. Like, today's the day we got kicked out of Applebee's. We're Club Red, not Applebee's. Man. Isaac Hoskins, I got, uh, I subbed for Isaac at a place called Piranha Sushi, <laughs> just south of Denton. Uh, it was great, uh, but it was weird. But the, the craziest part was the owner was this old German man, and he was sitting next to me, and he was like, what kind of music do you play? And I was like, uh, you know, just like... Whatever. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's like, cool, what are you eating? And I was like, oh, I just got some fried rice. And he's like, oh, rice. I was like, yeah. And this is his place. He's like, oh, it's poison. <laughs> like, oh, okay. Should I have gotten something else, maybe? Anyway, but also, part B of the story, I played a gig at a TGI Fridays in Addison one time because my friend Grady said it would pay me $150. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to do it. It'll be fun. You know, I'll make a whole deal out of it. And it was all fun and games until I was, like, loading in to the TGI Fridays in Addison. And I was, like, setting up my PA. This, guy, uh, this dude comes up and he's like, hey, are you doing karaoke tonight? And I was like, no. I mean, kind of. But, like, I'm going to be playing, you know. And it was, it was weird. But loading into a TGI Fridays is just like, oh, man. I'm never going to open for old 97s now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had a dude in Lubbock. He he had just became the new uh, like night manager at Hooters. You know? Oh yeah. But he's like, "Yo, bro, I got a great idea, man. I, re- I want you in." <laughs> yeah. Oh god. It is. Like, <laughs> 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 All right. I need you Monday night. What do you got going Monday nights? So I'm like, it's the fall, so it's like Monday night football. He goes, exactly. <laughs> I want you to play from like nine to midnight on Monday nights. We can't pay you, of course, but you get all the wings you want and all the beer you can drink. <laughs> but, you know, during the game. And I'm like, are you, are you serious? <laughs> like, are you, like, I'm the last thing in that whole building anybody's going to pay attention to. Right. You know, it's just like, uh, um, you might go rethink that idea, homie. <laughs> Is that the first gig you turned down? <laughs> no. No, he did it. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. So speaking of that, when we what were was talking, I to do? It was that, free wings and all the beer I could drink. When we were that, we were at that sushi place in Hobbs. That guy walked by. So the second night, the manager was not happy. Right? <laughs> he walks by me and Brandon says, "None of that Bob Dylan shit tonight," and just like kept going. <laughs> <laughs> Bob Dylan. I was like, "What are you talking about? <laughs> do you guys play Bob Dylan songs?" Okay, so I, I, this, uh, I, I was playing this, and I, I love that we're doing this. So I was. I played at this little place called the Little River Club in San Angelo not that long ago, like probably five or six years ago. And it's one of them little clubs, right? And it's like money, hotel room, do your thing. It's a songwriter showcase, right? I get there, and they're like, sound is provided the whole nine yards. So I I get there, and, dude, they have like a corner where you you set up, but they had had it set up, and there was a microphone and a – sub 
and a karaoke mixer <laughs> with one channel. Uh-huh. So I'm sitting here like, oh my god, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so I, I I make it work, but it's like, but I'm playing through a sub, right? And I had a, an engineer there with me, and we were like, this is stupid. And like five feet away, they're, they're, they got the hot dogs rolling in the hot dog thing, you know? And the my hot dog are, highway. The neck of my guitar is over the mustard. You know? <laughs> so, <laughs> so they're like, holy crap, you know? So I, I played the first little set. It's like a 45 minute set. I brought probably like, I brought family and friends and stuff. And I had a group. But I'm playing. Yeah, hot dogs there, It huh? sounds terrible, of course. And it's just not exciting at all. And. That guy, the owner, came up to me when I took a break and was like, uh, uh, let me talk to you over here, son. I don't want to embarrass you in front of your people. <laughs> and he pulls me, as- <laughs> pulls me aside and he's like, what you're doing just ain't going to cut it. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, well, what makes me money is people dancing on that dance floor. And ain't nobody on that dance floor. They all went to Midnight Rodeo because you're playing. I'm like, holy shit, man. Like, who did you think you were hiring? Like, Brooks and Dunn? Or, yeah. Like, this is a songwriter thing. I was like, nice PA, by the way. You know? So, and my dad is standing right there, and I was just like... Are we going to be honest with each other now? Can yeah. I start telling you some truth? Exactly. So, I just kind of unloaded on him. Yeah. Like, this is some bullshit anyway, so I, I don't want anybody to know I was over here. So, I <laughs> walked in the bar, and I bought everybody that I knew a shot on my tab, and I got my guitar and left. That was the end of that one, but... Solid. But yeah, I mean, hey. So this one time, Casey Berry calls me. <laughs> 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 he goes, he goes, hey, what are you doing tonight? I'm like, nothing, man. I got nothing. You, you, you playing at Blue Light? No, I, I'm not playing anywhere. Well, come on up damn Amarillo. I, I got something for you. Well, well, heck yeah. Casey owed me money at the time, so I figured <laughs> I'd drive up to Amarillo. Drive up to Amarillo, spend 100 bucks getting there and back, and I might get 100 bucks from Casey, you know. Uh, for playing some gig well i get to this place it's called wings and things and it's it's, it's like a buffalo wild wings but it hasn't expanded to to a franchise it's still the, the the initial vision of the of the founder so i get in there and it's a songwriter contest oh what and he's like yeah man i got you you're up here uh, you're up here right at the very end uh you're you're next to last and i was like oh cool uh, thanks because I swore off I would never do another songwriting contest in my life ever again. Right, yeah. I won the first one I ever did. Me too. In like 2004. And from that day forward, <laughs> I was like, this, this song, are you telling, yeah, there's a song called You'll Never Set Foot in My Chevy Anymore. Uh-huh. And it won. Whoa. It was, it was great. And I was like, really, if that's what won the songwriter contest, I'm never entering another songwriting contest again I, as long as I live. And Casey finds a way to get me to go back on my vow and do a songwriter contest. So I go in there, and I'm Craig Vaughn. I remember Craig. That's how I met Craig Vaughn from uh, KPUR. And he was hosting it. And they had a couple Bose PA set up. And I didn't know you could make a Bose sound bad, but I heard some music that night that was like, <laughs> wow, these things were supposed to <laughs> make everything better. And, and I just kind of wish I could low crawl out of here. But I had to sit through the entire thing to the because I was the last one or second to last to go or whatever. So I decided, well, I don't really want this so i'm going to play the grisliest goriest song i had which at the time was front porch swing mm-hmm. where i the, the the girl hangs at the end of the song from her front porch she kills herself and then i had to do a second song so i did pistol full of bullets which is about a guy who walks in and finds his girlfriend with another man and he shoots them both and then he drives himself off a cliff and kills himself and i was like these songs are sure to not get me anywhere <laughs> <laughs> with with the radio or with this contest or with anything nah Second place. You know who won first place? Randall King. Oh, my God. Randall King. Hey, so was that place in Amarillo or was it in Canyon? I don't remember. It's the same drive from Lubbock. Some more nerds. It was, I think it was in Amarillo. I think it was Amarillo proper. Zach Wilkerson was at that thing, I believe. That's cool. He kind of knows that story, too. Years later, Brandon would pitch me Mirror, Mirror. And I turn it down. (laughs) Brandon, I can't write this song. I don't have this in me. You you recorded. You recorded the first verse of that song in your on basement. your birthday. Yeah, it was my thirty your thirty sixth birthday. Thirty sixth birthday. Yeah, and Charlie felt bad for me because I was I was just drinking alone on my birthday, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Come over to my studio basement. I've got some beers. Why don't you sit here and get drunk and just play guitar, and I'll press record and just play all the shit you want to play, get it off your chest." And I 
one, I played a bunch of halfers that I had just been working on, just ideas and throwing roses in a hole. Throwing ro- yeah, I, real, I was like, that was the saddest thing I could write about. And so I was trying to really go out there and explore some lyric shit and melodies. And, but I did. I, I I laid down that first verse of Mirror Mirror uh, in, on my 36th birthday. He comes up with Mirror Mirror on the wall, and I said, Brandon, where do you go for a second verse? Whiskey, whiskey in a glass. <laughs> yeah, and sure yeah. enough, that music video is just Randall pounding a bottle of whiskey. <laughs> So, so I, I guess to Randall's credit too, I didn't have to figure out a way to rhyme glass and ass and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, definitely worked out. I'm sad I turned that one down. If I'd known then, you'd have had to done a lot, though. I mean, Randall did a really good job on production of that song. It sounds really, really good. I wish Randall was here right now. Yeah, where's Randall? Nashville, I haven't, probably. I haven't seen, oh, is he? I yeah. haven't seen Randall in a long probably time. Probably flying around on a jet with Parker McCollum if I know Randall. I haven't seen Randall since uh, the last life. songwriter yeah, he, he deal we yet. did. Yeah. Drinking some cowboy coffee. I've never written. I remember that. <laughs> I, I remember that. I have never written. I've never drawn his name at that thing. I, always I wrote, end up, Every year I draw Ross Cooper's name. Every year I draw Daniel's name. I wrote with Randall. What'd you write? You guys cut a demo at the studio there, didn't you? No. No, that was him and Shafter. Okay. We just, we wrote us. I, I can't remember what it was like, but. Yeah, okay, was, hey, let's, you guys wrote a song. Last, oh, yeah. Last time. Yeah. About, uh, I'm a werewolf. <laughs> <laughs> Not that one. No. Yeah, I, that, that I think one. Wade wrote that when we were just doing <laughs> I was machine gunning just ideas. just trying right? not to. Yeah, that was a, the, <laughs> that was an interesting one. <laughs> the song that we wrote about that dude. Yeah. The, yeah. That yeah. was tight. What the hell? We always write these songs and we never do anything with them. You know, I, when I do play, I'll I'll play it. Hey, shit, I might play it later. I don't know. You know. Yeah, that song was good. I liked it, and I keep I keep kind of jamming the demo just to keep it in my brains. You and I just like write songs in a weird place. It's like we're weird guys. Just different. Like we take a different approach. I think than. Brandon hit me up about a song one time. He goes, Charlie, I want to write, I want you to help me on this. I want you to write me a song. It's going to be like the heartbeat of the highway or something like that. It's going to be about driving home, like after a gig or something. And, and I was like, cool, I'm going to do this. And so I sat down. I just didn't write a song. I put down drums, bass, guitars, the whole, the whole bit. I mean, yeah. I produced it on that little eight track, you Mel- know. Mellotron? Uh, no, I didn't have a Mellotron. <laughs> But I did like a lead part and a rhythm part and acoustic part. I, I laid down acoustic drums. I actually played the drums on it. I sent the whole thing to BA and I was pretty proud of it. And he gets it. <laughs> he, he listens to it and he texts me back and stuff, something snarky like, this is going to be a pretty good song when I take all your words and music out and put in mine. <laughs> Yeah, so he sent me that demo, and it was like exactly the sentiment I was going for, but nothing like I wanted it to sound at all. Yeah. <laughs> so I just rewrote it. <laughs> and, and then that's... On Through the Night. On is Through what, the Night. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that album. <laughs> Isn't that a Le- uh, Def Leppard al- album, On yes, Through the Night? Yes, that's exactly what I took it from, too. Though, I, you know, it's a blatant ripoff, but um, sorry, Def Leppard. I'm sure no one ever... I bet they were the first one to ever say On Through the Night. Ever. Exactly. That's my thoughts. I don't think anybody's going to be hysterical But at the same time, I was listening to the On Through the Night record a lot whenever I was doing that one. (laughs) It's like... I I love that album. Yeah. I I mean, it was back when they were young and part... We're not going to get into Def Leppard, but I mean, like... Or we can, we can if you want to. I, mean. I, I will. I'll go there. But, yeah, that was really my my Def Leppard. I grew up. It was my favorite band when I was a kid too. So anyway, that was my um, tip of the hat. They played in Odessa one time. It was on Adrenalize album. Uh, the tour for that. They yeah. played in Odessa, and my friend Kelly went with his mom, and he asked me if I wanted to go, and I was afraid to go because I thought my parents wouldn't like it if I went. Mm-hmm. And so I, I didn't even try, right? So uh, next day, I'm like, tell my, like, Kelly's telling me all about the show and how c- killer it was and, like, lasers and stuff. And, like, uh, <laughs> I was so bummed about it. And I told my mom, I was like, hey, my friend Kelly went, he got to go see Def Leppard last night. And she's like, oh, you're kidding. That band's cool. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm such an idiot. What's a band that your parents turned you on to or a songwriter that your parents turned you on to that you, that you dig? Barry Manilow. I did not see that. 
Barry Manilow is awesome. Dude, Barry Manilow is what awesome. About you, man? Oh, for like me, like as far as my parents, I mean, uh, my dad was not much of a like a music guy. He was more like, you don't need to buy a CD. You got radio. My mother, though, I mean, I can go back to like the Def Leppard kind of stuff. Mm. The like, I got another podcast just about '90s country, and like my mom had, you know, the country weekly subscription and that kind of stuff because back then they would send you a cd too like a mixer mixtape kind of cd bunch of that stuff um i mean like she was all always into like 80s hair metal kind of stuff too so all of that kind of stuff the um yeah. Some people just call that rock and roll, dude. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, like I mean, the, I mean, like the poison kind of shit. Like, <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, like, that's that's, that's and, totally. And that's what she primarily listened to. But I mean, like the like the nineties country stuff is like what stuck mm. or has stuck with me primarily. My mom always encouraged me to listen to like the metal music and rock music and stuff. But she learned when I was a kid. What got me into even playing music was like my, made me love music. My dad played guitar so you could smell the amplifiers, you oh, know. Yeah. And you, you open that guitar case and you could smell the 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 the, the whole thing, you know. And uh, so she would get me and my brother and sit us down like when we were little kids and turn on her black light and she had this Velvet Elvis poster, and she would make us a pizza. And sit there and listen to Alabama on vinyl. Nice. And uh, you know, smoke her cigarettes while we're <laughs> while we're eating pizza. Yeah. But I would have to sit there in the black lot listening to Why Lady Why, which is like why yeah. I play that song too later on. Memories and shit. But that was what got me in it. From them. Back when like country music had bands. Yeah. Like like not singing groups. Bands. Like Little Texas. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. like, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Blackhawk. Sawyer Brown. I liked Sawyer Brown. Oh, Blackhawk. Yeah. The Mavericks. The Mavericks, Mavericks. are. The Mavericks are cold, and dude. Thrown in the back of a cop car at a Blackhawk show once. You did. You did. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you guys. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not making this up. I was out behind Blue Light. I just recorded. <laughs> Like a metal demo of a BR549 song, and I wanted to show it to uh, to some of my friends, and they happened to be out there, and they had some weed on them. And these cops roll up while I'm jamming this song, and take ev- they separate everybody. They didn't, they didn't see anything, and it was all smoked up by the time the cops arrived. So, But they hooked me up and put me in the back of the cruiser, in uh, one of those SUV ones. And hit the little recorder and then came back and just asked me all these questions about, what are you doing here? What, 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 what are you guys doing? If you, this will go a whole lot easier on you if you just tell me the truth. And I'm like, okay, when they say that, they don't have, they don't have anything on you. They're looking for you to incriminate yourself. Oh, I just recorded a song and <laughs> wanted to show these guys that I could turn a country song into a rock song with some distortion or something. I gave them this whole big detailed thing. And, you know, at that point, it's probably starting to kick in. There's, if you've ever been paranoid before, I, I, I can promise you there's no safer place to be than handcuffed in the back of a cop car. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're already, you're already yeah, the fear is, nothing, yeah. Nothing yeah. worse is going to happen to you the whole night. Dude, yeah. me and you have been handcuffed together in the back of a cop car before. Remember that? Yeah, we were coming back from Amarillo. He, we're in the back. We're not. Well, we weren't handcuffed. We weren't handcuffed, but we were in the back of a cop car, and he's texting me. In was the this car. Amarillo or was this we uh, back. was this Midland? It was Amarillo, and we were we were we were coming in on the interstate. I remember and I had Midland. A, I had a light out. I don't want to tell that out, and that's why we got pulled over. But we got put in the car for other reasons. But he's <laughs> he's sitting there. He's in there texting me like, "Don't say shit." There's microphones in these cars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they can hear your my thoughts. Attorney, <laughs> my attorney Charlie's over here giving me advice, and I'm like, I wasn't gonna say shit anyway. But like, that's my first time in the back of a cop car, Charlie. That's so. I funny. got pulled over one time, uh, going to Amarillo or going to coming back from Amarillo one time, and I had your suitcase <laughs> in the car. And had and had Waylon Payne. Waylon Payne was with you. Had to explain that to a cop. Uh, Some of this stuff isn't mine, sir. Yeah, I I (laughs) swear to God. Okay, so you know how when you have like a bottle of ibuprofen spill and you just kind of put it in a bottle or whatever. That's what had happened. Mm -hmm. It was like Tylenol and nothing bad. There was no like. They brought a drug dog out. 
And the drug dog couldn't get any, couldn't get a, a read on anything because he kept getting goat's heads in his feet, Aww. and he kept just like crying. He wouldn't stay on. He wouldn't. He wouldn't stay on. So he would never indicate if he smelled anything or there not. There weren't so. any drugs in that bag, Charlie. I don't know what was in your bag. There weren't Randy. any drugs. I took them when you took my bag. <laughs> 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 That's as close to being an outlaw as I ever wanted. Ever want to get? Leave them with you. Yeah. We play outlaw country music. What have you done wrong? Parking ticket. Yeah. No. So there's one time that I thought us three were definitely going to go to jail. When one of our friends drove us from one bar to the other in his Jetta oh my and Lord. ran over a curb. Well, let's not say his name because he doesn't need the, the glory and for this every story. Every single light on his dashboard <laughs> came on. I was like, dude, you fucked your car up. And we're like, oh my God, we're all, there's no way a cop did not see you just run over a median. Like, yeah. No, we made it though. <laughs> oh my God. You get a new red dirt Jetta now. <laughs> <laughs> When I was growing up, my parents, my dad listened to a bunch of disco. So, like, he made me listen, didn't make me, I wanted to, too. Listen to, like, this guy named Joe Tex. And he uses this song called um, Don't Want to Bump No More With yeah. No Big Fat Woman. And it's a hilarious tune. Yeah. Is uh, that the song your parents turned you on that made you want to become a songwriter? <laughs> yes, today? that is that Is one. that your story? That is the one, dude. And Rod Stewart and Faces. My mom listened to that. Oh, yeah. Oh, Faces. Yeah, we, we went down a rabbit hole yes, with Faces we the did. other day. And... They fucking rule. That you song was like 17 <laughs> minutes long, but it never once got boring. Yeah, it was cool. I I like long songs. I think they're cool. I was built for <laughs> AM radio. Minute and a half. Well, here's a good place to wrap it up. Thanks to our sponsors, <laughs> Blue Light Live, Desert Door Hotel, and Hot Damn Coffee. Thanks to Thomas right. Mooney for hosting this thing for us. I'm, I am glad that you threw this together, Thomas. Um, <laughs> These guys aren't funny because I've already heard all the stories, but I'm sure somebody's going to find them entertaining. I don't know how you're going to edit this down. No, I'm just not going to. <laughs> uh, <hey. laughs> Phone calls, people coming in and out. It's just real. Yeah. Hey, uh, before we wrap it up, though, BA, you're out there doing stuff like land adjustment kind of shit. Yeah. What's like? What's been like the strangest thing you've come across as far as like found out in the middle of? Like my... Day job stuff yeah. now? Yeah, so I do like land surveillance. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, we found some pretty crazy stuff out there. We did a big a ranch out in Big Bend and um, found a drug plane that had crashed in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, it had taken off right by Oinaga and crashed up in the mountains at Shafter. And uh, we found it in a canyon. The ranch manager knew it was there. He'd been there like 10 years, but no one goes there because it's in the middle of nowhere. But So we found that, found some, like, some graves. It was pretty intense. But that was like right where I was telling my buddy who was with me, I was like, man, I think people are watching us. So yeah. got pretty paranoid and got out of there. Um, I don't know. See a lot of really cool stuff, a lot more cool stuff than crazy stuff, like old markers that were set in the 1850s and everything. Yeah. So, yeah, if you want to chat about West Texas history, I'm your guy. Brandon's going to write Texas in 1780. <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's got the the horse head crossing hat on, so. Yep. Oh, hey, man, that's that's some cool stuff, though. Horse head. Oh yeah. Yeah, that was really interesting one too because it's just so. Uh, there's so much history involved with it, and you get out there and everything's so al- alkaline, you know, like salty and. Yeah. There's no fish in that part of the river because it's all salt. Water. Brandon, right after everything I've ever done, Brandon's always given me shit for not doing it the same way he does. <laughs> so when he started the Sad Bastards, I came on and just opened a bunch of Sad Bastards shows for Brandon. I've probably played more shows with you than with anybody. You know, I told Charlie one time, this is like just mean this advice. This is about what I was getting It was like, me, I don't know if it's the same thing, but I told him one time, I was like, you'd be better off. He's like, so asking a question about how to improve his songwriting. And I was like, you'd be better off putting that guitar down and picking up a shovel. <laughs> <laughs> I love that though. There's something to that. I mean, my shovel's a camera, I guess. Right, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's something, and so he used to give me shit for, well, I, hey, you should do what I do and start a band. Back when I was just playing acoustic <laughs> gigs, opening for him, and then I started a band. And then Brandon quits the Sad Bastards and goes, hey, you know what you really ought to do? Fuck that band. <laughs> and, okay, you don't need a I band. Guess I, I guess I don't need a band. And then Brandon gets a day job. And, and he's, hey, you know what you ought to do? You ought to come out and do some surveying with me. 
Like whatever I'm doing, it's I will wrong. Do, I will come survey with you. See a lot of people. With Brandon, you. Brandon, Brandon <laughs> I don't, I don't yeah. need to call my dad for disapproval. Yeah. I just say, hey, Brandon, what's up? Yeah. And I get condescended. Well, no, okay, like a dad, there's a whole lot more to that story than he's letting on. Like, let's, let's flash back to when, <laughs> hey, like I'm going to start a band. Well, I had already had a band for several years at that point, and he starts one. That lasted, what, like a month? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Long enough for you to make those shirts and do a few rehearsals. In I that, have in that, one of those for you in I, my car right now. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it's rare. Not only did I start a band, but I roped... Kenneth O'Mara into being a co-front man with me, <laughs> oh. and we had William Clark Green's backline so as or, and frontline. Charlie as and Red were trying to put together bands at the same time, right? Like they, Red was trying to put together a band so he could do the vitals, right? Would eventually become. And Charlie's over here trying to put together the migrant mothers and the, all sorts of names. And so, but I, I remember both of them. They finally got like the bookings, like Will and me and everybody. Like gave them the phone numbers to Blames. Gave them the phone numbers to. Boss talks like all these ones we wouldn't even really want to get too excited about doing now anyway because of everything the way it is. But like, uh, so there they go. They can put everybody in the truck or van and they haul ass to Stephenville. They do their gig. They come back. All their musicians want a hundred bucks. They made two hundred and they had. There <laughs> 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 they go. They all call me and Will. Like, how the hell do you guys do this? <laughs> you lose a lot of money. <laughs> so good luck. And then that, like, you know, and then they all. Oh, boy, that, that did not take long for that dream to die. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, let's go get a beer or something. Let's do it. Cool. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. Hey, well, thank y'all. All right, that is it for this one. Thanks for listening. And, yeah, I'll see y'all next week for more episodes.